Right. Good morning. My theme music wasn't playing this morning, so um, there you go. <laughs> Man, I, uh, I want to start off this morning, and I have to be totally honest with you guys, is when I got like, what, what Ezra does and what Brian will do and, and myself sometimes, when we have a sermon series, we'll break it out and uh, we will assign certain pieces of scriptures. So when I got this, this scripture today, uh, I remember reading it through for the first time. My first thought was, I am not excited about this sermon right now. You ever, have, you ever, have you ever listened to a sermon where you're like, you can tell that the pastor is not excited about it? You know, The reason why is this, because when you read through the scripture that we're going to go through today, it's a list. Like Ezra preached last week, and it was a list of things. And, and what happens oftentimes when you read a list, it comes across as like a to-do list. Do these things don't do these things. And the biggest part where I struggled was, how do you come up here and tell people, this is what you're supposed to do? Do these things. And it, it makes it seem like it's a task list. And I know that in my own personal walk, I always struggled when I saw things and said, I know I'm supposed to do these things, but I don't know how to do them. And one of the beautiful things about being able to preach a sermon is God opens your eyes up and he shows you things as you begin digging into the word. And as I began really digging into this word, man, I was like, wow. And now I'm like really excited to preach this sermon. I am really excited to preach this sermon. So I want to start off today with this. I want to share a story with you guys. Um, some of you may know that in my previous life, I had an opportunity to work trade shows. I don't know if people have ever worked a trade show before, worked on a trade show floor, but I, uh, I used to work for Crest Oral-B doing dental trade shows. Uh, and this one particular trade show was up in New York. And uh, one of the things I used to do when I would go to a trade show is I would, uh, I would pack my bags meticulously. So I would walk through, I would literally walk through from the moment I got up in the morning and what I was going to do, like what clothes I needed to bring so I would get you know, like my shirt, and I would have my tie, and my shoes would be nice and polished, and I'd have my dress pants, and just everything. So uh, this was a particular trade show that started on a Sunday uh, morning. So I had to be up there Saturday evening. So I go up there, I take the train up to New York, I check into the hotel, it's about 7.30, 7.45 on a Saturday night, and I'm unpacking my clothes and getting ready, and I realize I forgot pants. <laughs> I have no pants. So I'm starting to panic, and I'm like, what do I do? Like, you know, and me, I'm cheap. My wife will tell you this. I'm literally thinking, maybe I just take the train back down to PA to get a pair of pants from my house because I don't want to spend money, right? So I decide, and I found a mall in downtown Manhattan. So I go to downtown Manhattan. I buy a pair of pants. I bring it back. I hang it up. I go to bed. I'm like, all right, problem solved. Now, I'm about $55 in the hole right now because I've had to spend money on a pair of pants. I get up the next morning, I get dressed, and lo and behold, that security sensor is stuck to the bottom of the pants. And this was like about 10 years ago, so it wasn't like a tiny sensor. It was a big tan sensor. And there it is at the bottom of my pants. I'm like, now what do I do? I have to be at the trade show floor at 7.45 a.m., so I'm like, I have to wear these pants. So I put the pants on. I'm walking through New York. You know, imagine how wonderful I feel, right? You know, one of the unique things is like, you know, you feel good about when you're working those shows because I have got my tie, my shirt is neatly pressed. I've got 
a pair of pants that are pressed, albeit with a tag with a sensor on it. My shoes are polished. You know, you're looking good and you feel real good. I've got a lab, I had to wear like a white lab coat for the show. And here I am with a big sensor on the bottom of my pants right there. I get to the show floor, and of course, my coworkers are laughing at me. So one of my coworkers takes a black marker, like a black Sharpie, and colors it in. And I literally am walking and using that sensor now for the show. You know, I'm thinking, my, thinking to myself, I am dressed up, but will people see my flaw? Because I'm here for four days working this show. You see, one of the things that Ezra did last week when he was preaching and through this list of Colossians is there was a part of the scripture that says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. What does that mean? Is that it's not you that God sees anymore. He sees his son. You are covered in his righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that you're covered. And that is the starting point. That is the basis from which we go and we live the Christian life. And he said, don't do these things. Don't do these earthly things, these fleshly things. Keep your eyes on that which is above, not on the things of the earth. The new self, this new person who we are, is a lot like getting dressed up. I literally take the robe of Christ and I put it on and I get dressed up in Him. You see, when I worked this show, as I got involved in the show and I started working, I forgot all about the tag. And I had a wonderful show and a wonderful experience and I realized that I am not defined by my flaw. And I was able to continue to... to to operate in the show and do a wonderful things in the show because I knew who I was. And I wasn't defined by that flaw. What I want to look at today is what our identity, what our new identity in Christ looks like, which means if I am dressed in the robe of Christ, how am I called to live? What does it look like in our lives? And my hope and my prayer for all of us today is that we would all Walk away and be dressed and live lives when we are dressed in the new self, in our new identities in Christ. You guys, let's pray before we get started. Heavenly Father, calm our hearts and our minds, Lord. Speak to us today through your word, Father. Lord, show us in our lives where we fall short of what your word says, Lord. And help us to live lives that glorify and honor you, Lord. Show us what it means to be those who are who have given their life to Christ, Father. And show them to a world that does not know you, Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to go through Colossians 3, 12 through 17 today. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. And I want to start off just with the first three verses and then we'll sort of we'll break those down. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. It says this, verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, 
so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul has started off, and what he's literally talking about is now that you are in Christ, your life is hidden. It's not you anymore. It's Christ's righteousness. Now, this is what the new self, your new identity looks like. It's like putting on clothes. And he says, and we have to live lives in which we're being renewed in the knowledge after Jesus, which literally means that we are becoming more and more like him. What we saw last week when we saw Ezra's sermon, he was literally saying is put to death those earthly things in you. There's this idea of death and resurrection. Put to death all those things like sexual morality. We saw that list that we saw last week. And now, because you've been resurrected in Christ and it's his righteousness, now I want you to put on God and Christ's righteousness. And this is what your life looks like. And he starts off with our identity again. We always start with our identity. That is the basis for what we do in the Christian life is to know who you are in Christ. And he starts off in, in verse 12 by saying, you are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Chosen. You didn't choose God. He came after you. If you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, understand that God had to open up your eyes to who he was. Nobody desires him on our own. He had to come after us. So we are chosen that way. We are holy because of what Christ has done. Christ's death and resurrection. When you receive that free gift of salvation, remember, it's not your righteousness, it's his. So we are considered holy and beloved. Love. The reason why you've been chosen, the reason why you are holy, is because of God's love. It's God's grace that enables us to have a new identity. So Paul starts the letter and says, because of who you are and what Christ has done, and now you're you're dressed in this righteousness, that is the basis in which we move forward and live this life. So what does the new self look like? Well, he gives you examples. He says, number one, it's compassion. It's living a life of compassion for other people. It's one of the things that Jesus did. He looked at people, and when he looked at them, he had compassion. He incarnated with people. He literally stepped into their world and to bear their burdens. It's kindness toward other people. It's a humility, which means I I put others before myself. I humble myself before others. There's meekness, which is a gentleness. It's a quiet strength, which is literally my approach toward other people is one of meekness. It's gentleness toward other people. It's patience. Patience is a reaction to other people. I have patience with them. I bear with one another, which means that I allow for others' faults. And he says, lastly, he says, forgiveness. Forgiving other people, because that's what God has done for you. God has forgiven you. And he says, you want to do all these things? Love. Love binds them all together in perfect harmony. It's one of the reasons why Jesus said, Here's a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He says, this is a way that people will know that you are my disciples when you guys love one another. Love is literally a dying of self to other people. If you want to do that list, love. Your new identity is characterized by grace. 
and it's grace in relationships with other people. That's the first part of what he's saying right here. What he's saying is to be like Christ. I now have my robe, and now I live a life like Christ. But the hardest part of that is how. You know, oftentimes in, in church and in Bible studies, you'll hear this talk about love, and it sounds a lot easier. It's a great thing when you're here on a Sunday and we hear about love and it's just a wonderful thing to experience. And then as soon as you hit the door and you get on the road and somebody cuts you off, that's gone. We, it's very hard to love. And quite honestly, it's hard to love people. The hardest part about loving people is you have to love people. <laughs> the gospel and God's grace is the basis of our identity. And what I'm called to do is to love just like Christ did, even if it's at a cost to myself. Death is the center of love. Because when I love other people, I have to die to myself. My life is now hidden in Christ. It's his righteousness. He is my life. And I can have his righteousness. And because I have his righteousness, I am now free to go and to love other people because I'm not trying to find righteousness in how other people react to me and whether they accept my love. I start off from the basis of his righteousness first, and now I'm free to love and to do all those other things that he's been talking about, regardless of their response to me. That's how I love. That's why Paul says here, not just doing these things, understand who you are in Christ first. Then, from that, is we begin to go, we begin to love people, and we begin to do these things. I have an opportunity on, uh, on Thursday mornings um, to meet with a group of guys who are walking through one of the Paul Miller studies called the Love Course. And literally, the whole course is about how do I love other people and begin to move toward people in this idea of oneness. Not just with my wife, but in all my relationships with people. How do I move toward oneness? And one of the things that we walk away with is, number one, is love is very difficult in a sinful world. It's very hard to love people in a sinful world. And when you love people in a sinful world, you are going to suffer. What does that mean? Because you're not going to get the reaction that you want. And very often when I give love to people and I show love to people, I don't get it in return. And there's a little part of me when that happens, I feel like I'm dying. And it's in that there is when I'm dying that I need Christ's life in me to help resurrect me. I love other people when I'm clothed in his righteousness. Why? Because he loved me first. And I see his grace toward me. And now what I'm called to do is to live a life in which I show the same grace toward other people. When we love, we display God's love to the rest of the world. And when I love other people and I don't get the reaction that I want oftentimes, I know Christ better because I can walk away and say, Jesus, I know what it's like to be you now because you love people and it led to your own death. And now I know Jesus in ways that I never would have known him before. You know, when you look at Paul, when he talks about in Philippians, this idea of the fellowship of his sufferings, that's what he's talking about. I am justified by my faith in Christ. I'm considered righteousness because I place my faith in Christ. And now when I place my faith in Christ, the next part of that is I live a life of love. And now I understand what Jesus went through when he was loving people in a sinful world. And oftentimes it feels like you're dying and I need to draw strength from him. But I know him in ways that I never would have known him 
before. You see, when Paul says earlier in Colossians, when he says the treasures of hidden wisdom and knowledge, knowledge is not about learning about Jesus. It's about knowing him and living a life that he lived. That's the treasures of hidden wisdom and knowledge of who God is. And we know him better when we love like him. That's what part of the new identity looks like. The new self, the first article of clothing in this new identity, this new self, is grace. Grace in my relationships with other people defined by love. That's what God did for us, and that's how we are called to in our relationships with other people, is love. Let's look at the next one. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. You see, we already saw when we love and forgive and bear with one another, we begin to know Jesus more intimately. I begin to know him in ways that I never thought possible. But then our relationships with one another will be characterized by peace. Peace characterized in community. And what we do as a body of Christ is we begin to show the outside world what true peace in community looks like. Peace with one another. This new identity in Christ is based upon the gospel. It's based upon what Christ has done. And the gospel's basis is, if I have peace with God because I've been forgiven of my sin, I now have Christ living in and through me. I am now a new man, and now I live like Christ, and now my relationships also are characterized by peace. We want peace desperately in our society today. When you look at the headlines, every time you turn around, we're fighting about something. We want peace so badly. And what Paul is saying right here, you want true peace, everlasting peace? Peace comes when you have peace with God first. And because I'm now a new man and I have his righteousness, I now have peace with other people. That's how we get true peace. The second article of clothing in the new man is one that's characterized by peace. Relationships characterized by peace a life of grace and peace with other people. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What he's saying is read and live the word. Let the word come alive and dwell in you richly. You know, I've been reading a book we have downstairs in the resource room called Visual Theology, and one of the things it talks about is about doctrine. And one of the things it says is literally, is Christian doctrine, biblical doctrine, I think of God's Word, it leads to love. Why? Because as I begin to read doctrine, as I begin to read the Word, I begin to understand God's love for me. And as I see God's love for me and I understand my sin more fully, I begin to appreciate that and love God even more. And if he's living in me, I begin to go out and to love others. You know, one of the first things I did when I first started preaching is I would prepare a sermon, and I would literally visualize this right here. I would visualize standing in front of all of you, telling you, you need to do this. This is what you need to do. Or if I would hear a story, and I would find out biblical truth, my first thought was, people really need to hear this. What is the problem with that right there? 
You see, my thought was always what you guys need to hear. Then I read a book by Paul Tripp called Dangerous Calling. It's about being a minister. And one of the things he says is, do you find yourself as you're preparing for sermons always thinking of this is what people need to hear? And I was like, yeah, that was me. This would be really good for you guys to hear. (laughs) But I'm leaving out one person. It's myself. You see, as I begin to look inward and realize as God was having me prepare the sermons, he was telling me a lot about myself. And he opened up my eyes to all the areas where I needed to live this word myself. And as I began to change and began to see the word come alive in me, not only because I was reading the word, but I was living it, I now am able to come up and to teach other people because I'm teaching you from experience. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't done myself. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't experienced myself. I'm telling you from my own personal experience. When you read the Word and you allow Christ, the Word, to dwell in you richly, you will see Him and know Him and be changed by Him in ways that you never imagined. And when that begins to happen, you'll be singing psalms and spiritual songs in Him because you'll be like, wow. Lord, I praise you and I worship you because I'm seeing it come alive in myself. Let the word dwell in you richly. The word is Christ. Let him dwell in you. That's the Holy Spirit living in me. Living the word and being obedient to what he says. There came a point in my life when I was like, Lord, I believe what you say. I'm going to do everything that you say. You tell me to forgive other people. It's not just for the person that stole $10 from me, but it's the person who really, really hurt me. Let the word dwell in you. And when you begin to see it, your natural response to the gift of grace that God has given us and he's done in our lives is to be thankful and to praise him for who he is and what he's doing in our lives. The next article of clothing in the new self, in this robe of righteousness, is letting the word dwell in us. The new self is one that's characterized by grace. It's characterized by peace in our relationships, and it's characterized by the word dwelling in us richly. And lastly, verse 17 And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything that we do is about Christ. When you see in the Bible when it says in name, it really means like we're representing him and we do it with his power. The new self, our new identity, is one in which we live our whole life for Jesus. It's about Jesus and we do it in his power and his strength. Because Christ is living his life through us. It's all possible because of him. And we give thanks to God through him. Because it's Christ that allows us to have access to our Heavenly Father. And we give thanks. The fourth article of clothing of the new self is everything that we do, doing it in the name of Jesus. New self is a life clothed in grace love for others. It's a life clothed in peace with one another in community because we have peace with God. It's a life 
in which we're clothed in the Word dwelling in us, living richly. And it's a life in which we do everything in the name of Jesus. When you look at the life of Jesus, He did all of these things. Jesus' life was defined by grace. Jesus had love for other people, even when it cost Him His own life. Even as Jesus is on the cross, He looked at John and said, John, behold your mother. And looked at His mother and said, behold your son. He was still worried and loved other people even as he's hanging on the cross. It was Jesus that had peace in his relationships. It was Jesus who was the Word himself. And it was Jesus who was the way to the Father because it's Jesus that opens up the door for us to come before the Father. And that's why we do everything in the name of Christ. And we too can now live in this new identity and keep our mind on the things that are above because now we are clothed in his righteousness. And we live lives in which we start from that first. It's Christ's death and resurrection. And it's the free gift of salvation that he gives us because he's died and he's risen. And we are forgiven. God no longer sees us. He no longer sees the tags on the bottom of our pant legs. What he sees is his son. And we operate from that standpoint first. The cross is how we put on the new man. You see, because it was the cross in which we saw God's grace and his love for us to forgive us of our sins. It was the cross where we now have peace with God because we have forgiveness of sin. It was the cross in which the word can now dwell inside of us because he dwells through the Holy Spirit. And it's the cross that makes everything possible because we do it in Jesus' name. The cross. Our identities should reflect Jesus. That's how we're called to live. So what does that mean for us? Number one, put on the new self. Get dressed up in Christ's righteousness. Clothe yourself in Christ because he is your new identity. God doesn't see you. He sees his son. Your life is hidden in Christ. He sees his son. And it's him that enables us to live like Christ. Love other people. Have peace with others. Let the word dwell in you. And do it in thanksgiving and do it all in the name of Jesus. And I wanted to just take a brief moment and say, what does this look like? And give you an example from my life. My last job as a, uh, as a corporate trainer in my last company, we had a, a sales call in which we were doing it. And you guys know GoToMeeting, where you do these meetings over the phone and you can see people and you can share your desktop. So we were, gonna, we were rolling out a new product at our company and our CEO was actually going to be displaying this product and demoing this product. So uh, he was going to be demoing it on my computer from his office. He can control. And uh, there were some glitches. So one of my coworkers said, why don't you just let him share his desktop. And I was like, well, that's a good idea. So I switched it over and allowed him to show his desktop. Now, our CEO, my CEO in the previous company, was a very private person, a very personal person. And uh, so I flipped it over, and all of a sudden on the screen in front of all the sales force, you can see on his screen like a picture of his family. Now, for most of us, we would say, well, that's not that big of a deal, but he's a very private person, and he was angry. And he called me up to his office during the meeting. So now I'm going upstairs, and I know what's about to happen. Now, here's a situation right here. What do you do? What does the new self look like? 
you know, as I go upstairs, you have to think, my identity is in Christ, and my righteousness comes from Him first. I don't have to try to get my righteousness from my CEO. What I did was wrong, and I was willing to admit that, but my relationship and the way I interacted with Him was one of humility I could do that because I already know of who I am in Christ. And I could also continue to love him and love others, even though he's berating me in his office. Why? Because my righteousness comes from Christ first. I don't have to justify myself to somebody else or to try to find my righteousness in somebody else's approval of myself. You see, when you start with that, it enables you to now live freely and do these things because I know I get my righteousness from Jesus. And it frees me to live and to love other people. Did I feel like I was dying during that? Yes, I did. But when you're dying, the way for resurrection is from who? Yes. I get resurrection life from Christ. And I live my life saying, Jesus, I need you right now because I am dying inside. And then I walk away and I say, now I know what it's like to be you, Jesus. I never would have known that had I just been reading the word. But now that I'm fellowshipping with your suffering, Lord, I know you in ways that I never would have known before. And I can live that way because I am the new man. It's not me. It's his righteousness. So number one, put on the new self. Number two is let the word dwell in you. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, lives in you. Be in his word and listen to his word and obey his word. And when you see the word dwelling in you richly, you will know him and you will see things that you never thought possible and it will result in praise and thanksgiving to him. And number three, do it all in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. It's Christ, through his death and resurrection, that allows me to come before my heavenly Father. I do everything in his name. You see, what the Father does is the Father says, look at my son. And he shines the spotlight on his son. And everything we do is through the Son because the God the Father still gets the glory. That was something that those in the days of uh, Col- the Colossians and when Paul was writing, they, wouldn't, they didn't give Christ the honor. They could never do that. The cross means he lives in us. And our faith and our eyes are always on him. Everything that we do is about Jesus. Let's live lives as new selves and as ones that are dressed in his righteousness. Pray with me. Father, Lord, we thank you so much. I don't have to try to earn my righteousness, Lord. I can live a life which I'm free to do these things that you've called me to do, Father, because I start with the standpoint, and we start with the standpoint, Lord, that we are clothed in your righteousness and it frees us to live the life that you've called us to live and to know you in ways that we never imagined, Lord. Thank you so much, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. I want to pray for you, for those who have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, 
You are, ro- you are clothed in His righteousness. You are clothed in Christ. You don't have to earn righteousness from God. You don't have to earn it from anybody else. I start with that, Lord, and I live free from that standpoint. Lord, I pray for those people that they would understand their new identity and live in their new identity. For those who do not call Jesus as their Lord and Savior, man, he is, he is holding out his hand for you. Grace is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Take hold of that gift and see what it means to live a new life, to be a new self, to have a new identity, one that's not about you trying harder, and one in which you keep your mind set on things above, which is about Christ and his righteousness. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive that gift. And it's a prayer that you can just say right there in your seat. You say, Dear Lord, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I have been living my whole life apart from you. Jesus, I believe in my heart that you died and rose again for me. And I thank you for your salvation. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.